Welcome in, everybody. This is the Solar Touch Podcast. My name is Eric Sauer. we got Lane Green here again from Basketball Insiders to talk about the Hawks, the Suns, and the NBA. How are you doing, Lane? Hey, Eric, man. What's going on? It's always good to rap with you. It is. It is. It's been a long time. been a while. i got to get lots of people on. We're going around for the second round with everybody. So, um, yeah, we'll start some basketball. We had some bad basketball today as the Hornets beat the uh, – and Kemba Walker beat the uh, – what was it? The Memphis Grizzlies by 61 points today. How about that? Yeah, it's been crazy. I mean, when I, I think at one point I tweeted out in the, uh, with nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter, Eric, uh, the Grizzlies had 59 points and Kimball Walker had 46. So that just tells you what type of dominance uh, the Charlotte Hornets has really laid down on Memphis. And you talk about a team here. I mean, I know I understand Memphis is 19 and 53 now, but to go on the road and, you know, basically lose by 61 points, um, it's just abysmal. I mean, when you look at what Charlotte was able to do in that game, 37 points in the first quarter, 38 in the second. And then even after the halftime adjustments, Memphis only came out and scored 15 in the third and got outscored by 22. It is just, uh, I mean, those guys in that Memphis Grizzlies locker room are going to have to really um, look themselves in the mirror and try to finish the season with some pride. I don't know if that's possible anymore. It's been just too crazy. Um, so, yeah, it was it was interesting for sure. And the bad basketball is abounding in the NBA with, so many teams that are just so bad and so young. Um, let's see here. Let's yeah, definitely. Um, do you th- I didn't. I'm trying to check here, but did uh, Marcus All even play in that game, or just did he, did he? I mean, well, I know the leading scorer in that game was uh, was Tyreek Evans. Um, you know, he scored 16, and he was, you know doing what Tyreek does, 16, seven, and four. Um, but when you look at, I mean, I know uh, Dwight Howard was a scratch. Uh, for that game, so basically the Kimball Walker show, but um, no, 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 uh, no Mark this all um, in that yeah. game um, at all. So it's just a yeah. pure. <laughs> it looks like I'm looking at the Bucks score. Like the highest scorer for the Grizzlies was Wayne Seldon with 18 points off the bench. How is that even possible? Anyway, that's crazy. So bad basketball is abounding all over the league. Tons of teams that are supposedly tanking. I want to ask you, and we'll go into specifics of some of the teams, but what do you see? Do you make a difference between a tanking team and a non-tanking team? Yeah, I mean, I think there is a difference between um, from teams that are just terrible and then teams that are just going out there and tanking. I mean, when you look at what, um, like, let's take a look at the Atlanta Hawks right here in my local market. I think. 20 wins this year, but you look at that roster. I mean, just take a look at that roster, and then you compare that to uh, some of the other rosters out there with, like, maybe the Chicago Bulls or maybe the Orlando Magic. Much more talent on some of those rosters. I mean, we have a roster with, you know, Laurie and uh, Zach Levine and, and Chicago promising players, or you look at Orlando. But then you look at what the Hawks have been able to do with uh, basically just you know, getting rid of all of their all-stars and uh, dependable players in past years. Uh, head coach Mike Boonehoser still squeezed out 20 wins from this group this year. Uh, this shows what type of top-level coach and program that he's doing. So that standpoint, yes, in terms of the overall view, you might look at them as a tanking team coming into the year, like, you know, uh, shifting away from some of their pieces of yesteryear. However, when you look at them being able to still pull off 20 wins uh, despite the devoid of talent, and you have to look at that squad and say, man, they did come out there and put on that hard hat most nights. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the roster right now, and the best player is what Ken Bazemore. Yeah, I would say Dennis Schroeder is probably the best yeah, player. Okay. Uh, but you know, uh, you know, Torian Prince, well, I feel, thought he uh, have a better year this year, uh, more of a spotlight. But he is shooting about 39 percent from three. Uh, it was good to see Ken Bazemore get his uh, shooting stroke back um, after having a bad year last year, where he was pressing after he signed that. Uh, $70 million contract. He just uh, never really got into his groove, mm-hmm. adjusting to the new pressure. Um, but, you know, you look at the Hawks, they're going to be in line for a um, very strong draft pick. Um, and this is the culmination of what people have been saying for years. I mean, when they had Al Horford and Josh mm-hmm. Smith and Joe Johnson and Marvin Williams and Jeff Teague, and people were saying, hey, you know, this team's going to reach the ceiling, just blow it up and start from scratch. Well, this is why. This is what happens. To, you know, hey, listen, after 10 straight playoff appearances, this is what you're going to get, and this is where the Hawks are right now. It's going to be a couple years of pain before they actually turn it around. And that's kind of the point. Like, the point is that they're, they're not tanking. Like, tanking is you having a team of good players and not playing some of them. or um, And it's not faking injuries. It's not that, but it's just not playing – your veteran players, I guess you'd say people have been in the league five, six, seven years or more, um, and not playing them or not playing them significant minutes or playing them out of position or things like that so that you lose, even though the players are playing their hardest. Now, I don't think the Hawks can do that. It's not possible. Um, just like the Suns. I'm older than everybody except for two players on their team, and I am still very young. Like, there's no way. Like, it's Chandler and it's Dudley. Dudley still plays a little bit. But he's not like he was never. He's not an all star or something like that. That's that's playing, right. not playing when he should be playing. He plays their program right. amount kind of. He plays in spots to keep the team honest and stuff. And Chandler's been dealing with this neck issue, and I'm not sure. I mean, I think he's in his 17th season, so it's not like he is his peak or something. But like it's the Memphis Grizzlies are tanking. They are not. They have Marcus All. I mean, I know Conley's been out, but they have Marcus All, and they're losing these blat- games pretty blatantly. It seems. Like, I mean, the Chicago Bulls were thinking they got cited for it by the NBA, so they know they're thinking. Uh, the Kings, what do you think about the Kings? Yeah, they're just a team. I mean, I, I like what the Kings did in offseason, adding some veteran guys, you know, Vince Carter, uh, Zach Randolph, you know, to kind of be around their pups. I think at this point, I mean, I don't think the Kings are tanking. I think they just don't have a good squad. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you think they're devoid of talent from the standpoint of having a good squad. What about the Mavericks? Because they got, they got, I mean, Dirk is Dirk. They have, like, Wes Matthews and Barnes and stuff and Dennis Smith Jr. But they're, and they're not really tanking, I don't think. Well, you know, they got caught up in some, in, in my opinion, there's a couple of things going on with the Dallas Mavericks. Number uh, yeah. one, <laughs> uh, they're not they're not letting Dennis Smith Jr. I mean, uh you know, sometimes when you get the young guy that could play, you got to just let him go out there and ball out. You know, Rick Carlisle runs a very, very tight ship. Yeah, with those um, are the point No doubt about it. So I definitely think they're his rookie. He's holding the reins in on his rookie a little bit. Um, whereas, you know, you see some other rookies around the league, you know, like the Donovan Mitchell, that's able to go out there and kind of spread their wings. Rick Carlisle's not going to let Dennis Wynn Jr. do that. Whatever Dennis is getting is going to be within the confines of the offense. So I think some of that might be holding Dallas back. Then you had the curious case of Nerlens Noel mm-hmm. um, slash, you know, the injury to Seth Curry. Uh, there's some things going on in the, in Dallas this year where I won't say that they're tanking, but I won't say that they're also 
um, have been putting their best foot forward in terms of, you know, trying to win every game. Yeah, same thing with kind of the magic of the, and the Nets. Well, the Nets are just trying to recover. Their, their coach and GM are so good in what they do. Like, that team had nothing. And now they, like, I mean, they've had injuries, devastating injuries to Lynn and to D'Angelo Russell. They've really derailed where they are. And they're still in, I mean, they're in the same realm as people who have no talent because their talent got injured. And they're just doing such a fabulous job. But then the Magic, they don't have anything either. I mean, they just gave away Elfin Payton to, to Suns for a second round pick and that's looking like a whatever whatever trade, but it's still like who's their best I mean who's their best player? Is it still Aaron Gordon? Aaron Gordon well, you would probably you you'd probably say Aaron Gordon's their best player, guy looking for a contract. I think Orlando was really just trying to get off of Alfred Payton, um guy coming up for a new deal. They probably didn't believe uh that he was gonna be that guy. I mean Aaron Gordon's having a you know a great year. 18 points, 8 rebounds a game. Um, I guess what I'm saying is that Aaron Gordon being your best player is not, at this point, is not like, that. they're not tanking. They just don't, if he's their best player, then that's not, that's not a good sign for them as a franchise at the moment, especially since who knows if they're going to resign him or not. Yeah, and there's so many guys on that team that's missed, you know, 20 plus games. When you look at, you know, Evan Fournier, you know, 18 point a game score, he's missed you know, 15 or so games. You look at Aaron Gordon, he's missed 20-plus games. You look at Nikolo, uh, Nikola Bujovic, mm-hmm. he's missed 20-plus games. I mean, it's just when when you're, I won't say that devoid of talent, but when Aaron Gordon, Nikola, uh, Nikola Bujovic, and Evan Fournier, those are solid NBA role players. Yeah. They're not all-star guys. They're solid. But when those are your best players and they combine to miss over 50 games, your margin for error is very slim if you're the Orlando Magic, and when that happens, you're going to lose and lose quickly. Yeah, say they had a franchise piece, like, or something. Like, they would, and then those guys didn't get injured. They, in the East, they could sniff the playoffs. It's not a, I mean, right. Fournier, like, he's a good player. And I don't know what's up with Mario Hazonia, but, um, I mean, there's lots of things around that team that could be good, but they just don't have enough there. And with injuries, like you said, to make it there. So there's lots of just bad teams. The thing that bugging me, I guess, is why I brought it up, is that people will say, start a headline of an article, um, what's up with these tanking teams or this uh, bad crop of tanking teams that are ruining the NBA? And I'm like, there's like three teams that are tanking probably. Like Chicago, yeah, got not, for it, Memphis. Yeah, and Memphis, definitely. Who else? Anyway. There's not a lot. I mean, you know, you, you even look at, like, the, the Nets. I mean, you touched on them. I mean, D'Angelo Russell missed a big part of the year. He's only played 38 games out of 71. I mean, Lynn was out, like, the first game, right, or something like that? Yeah. I mean, Lynn, you know, Lynn got hurt first game, only played 25 minutes on the season. I, I mean, when you look at that kind of stuff, I mean, they're, the guy that's been around the most is Spencer Dinwiddle, or Dinwiddie. You know, he's averaging 13 and 7. I mean, he's having a breakout year by his standards. But I, I just think, um, once again, not enough talent to withstand, you know, 30 missed games from D'Angelo Russell, um, who is supposed to be, you know, the guy for them at this point. Well, I want to hear something from you from some Hawks players. The guy I saw on All-Star Weekend in the Rising Stars and kind of the dunk contest, Stuff is John is Collins there, the rookie. Um, tell me a little bit about him. It looks like he's averaging ten and seven. Um, tell me a little bit about him. 
Yeah, I think John is going to be a, a very solid player, 10-7 and 7 already. Once again, I think um, head coach Mike Budenholzer um, hasn't, left, you know, hasn't, you know, driven his rookie into the ground. I mean, he's something with, with his rookie probably could have tried to, you know, push him out there 36, 37 minutes a night. But this is not, you know, what he's doing. He's actually let him try to learn on the fly a bit. Um, but 10 and 7 to me, the biggest thing that I like about John Collins um, is the fact that he is, you know, shooting a very high percentage from the field. You know, he's only playing 23 minutes a night and giving you 10.7 rebounds. So you just think about that 10.7 rebounds in a block a game. Um, that's very solid. Um, um, uh, some solid numbers from him. But the biggest thing that I like about him is the fact he shoots a 58% from the floor and shoots 75% uh, from the free throw line. You cannot teach that kind of stuff right there, mm-hmm. okay? 75% from the free throw line. Um, and for the most part, I know a lot of guys like to shoot the, shoot the three at power forward. He's the only uh, – he's not take, he's not even taking a full attempt uh, for game back there. Oh. Um, playing playing within himself, um, and I think this guy's going to be good. I'm, I'm not ready to say the guy's going to be an all-star or anything like that, but I am um, here to say that um, the Hawks have a player right there, and then, if, you know, depending where they slot in the draft, you know, to put something something next to him down there and have um, some pretty good talent. Yeah, if they if the Hawks get the best pick, what do you what do you or where do you think? What are a couple guys that you think they should target? Well, I mean, I know a lot of people are really high on uh, Dennis Schroeder, but if they get a top, you know, top ten pick or so like that, I mean, you have to look. Of course, you have to look at the Bagley's. You have to look at DeAndre, but you also got to look at like a point guard like a Colin Sexton. Even if you have a Dennis Schroeder, mm-hmm. I think. The NBA is just showing you right now that this is a guard-heavy league, and having a uh, robust um, collection of them can't hurt you. Especially if you're on a young team, you're trying to figure out who's sticking and who and who won't. Um, it, it doesn't hurt. I mean, if you look at what the Hawks did with Dennis Schroeder, Jeff Teague was an All-Star mm-hmm. point guard, and they bought and they, they bought in Dennis Schroeder. So yeah. uh, Dennis Schroeder, even though he's the best player on the team, you still have to give a point guard a look in the draft. Um, if it's your Hawks. Suns fans would beg to differ that a collection of point guards is a bad thing, though. It can be a bad thing. It's, it's always, it can hurt you when you had Bledsoe Dragic and Isaiah Thomas. But that's a whole other story. But um, definitely, oh, yeah. I mean, Dennis Schroeder, having Dennis Schroeder on the team, especially even as the best player, is no reason to not take a good point guard if it falls to you, if Trey Young falls to you, if and if you think you're a Trey Young guy. I, I, just, I don't think he's a good fit with the, the Suns, so I've been kind of off him lately. Um, but yeah, so I'm, so I think those are some good ideas there. Um, let's see here. What do you think? Let's just bring up to the Suns stuff for a little bit here. What do you think of the Suns lately? What do you think of Booker this year? Well, I think the biggest thing with the Suns is, I mean, you know, uh, you gotta settle the coaching. You gotta settle the coaching situation. I mean, like who's, who's gonna be, you know, who's really that guy long term? I mean, because these are, these are young players and, uh, when you're young, you don't have the maturity. I mean, you might have, you don't. You just don't have the wisdom yet. You gotta settle. Who's who's gonna be that coach long term at that point? Um, you gotta see like who. What you're trying to figure out is number one, Devin Booker. What type of team can you build around him? Okay, like who are gonna be the supporting pieces? I like a guy like T.J. Warren. He's obviously what, a 20 point scorer this year, emerging with something pretty close. But do you, you know, do you, what do you do with him? 
you try to, you know, see if a contender might want them to try to stockpile some assets. What you're trying to do at this point, if you're the Suns, is collect a group of players that can grow together. I mean, if you look at the team right now, at the top, a lot of those guys have grown together. You know, Golden State, of course, is a classic example. They grew together. San Antonio, in a lot of aspects, they've grown together. Even when you look at the Houston Rockets, they've grown together. I mean, you know, I remember watching Clint Capella coming off the bench behind Dwight Howard, you know, Trevor Reza, James Harden. Those guys grew, are kind of growing up together. And with the Suns, at a certain point, they're going to have to find their core and let their core grow together. So who's going to be the core? Because at a certain point in time, Eric, mm-hmm. musical chairs just doesn't work. You know, the NBA sure. is all about you know, the NBA is all about chemistry. So I know they're trying to play a lot of different guys in the lineup right now, but who is the core around Devin Booker? When Devin Booker looks around in that locker room, who are the guys he knows is going to go to war with him every night? And until the Suns figure that out, you know they could be in some trouble. Yeah, so basically what it, I mean, it's going to be Booker, it's going to be Jackson, who I just, there's so many good things from him. I mean, have you, what do you think about Jack? I mean, Jackson, oh, he's so good. Um, anyway, we'll, yeah. so let's, we'll talk about specific other people, but I want to lay the paradigm here for, for what I think should happen. It's, you got, you got Booker, you got Jackson, you probably have Bender, um, Warren is a sixth man, unless you want to offload him for, for more veteran depth, um, as a sixth man. And that's pretty much all you, need like everybody else is like fine if you have them unless you can find a better replacement i was something i put on twitter today i think in the off season what you do is you if you get number one i'm a donich guy you draft donich luka donich from slovenia he's your point guard um then you have all the playmaking you need from the rest for the rest of the next 10 years you overpay for clint capella because he's he's up for a contract We'll pay for Clint Capella, and then supposedly the Miami and the Milwaukee first-rounders are going to potentially convey this year, which means they could package those to get a veteran player. Like, what Like what do you think about doing getting Donich, Clint Capella, and then, like, Paul Millsap or something like that? Yeah, the, the question with Paul Millsap is, you know, as a guy, you know, 31, 32 yeah. years old, a younger, Paul Millsap, there, a younger Paul Millsap. Right. I mean, like somebody who's like 27. Yeah, but you did exactly. I mean, that's what you're going to be looking for. You're going to need somebody in that 26 to 28 range that, you know, can grow with some of these guys. I mean, I really like, I really like your thought uh, process behind it. I like Josh Jackson. I think, I think um, the quote MJ here, the ceiling is the roof for the young guy. I think he mm-hmm. um, flashes a lot of potential. Um, once again, another guy I'm playing about 24 minutes a game, giving you 12 points, four rebounds, um, just a lot of raw energy. But obviously, Devin Booker is going to be the cog that makes the engine tick. And the biggest thing around him now is making sure that he stays injury-free mm-hmm. and, and totally engaged. Yeah, I think that his his – I don't think there's any problems with – like, I don't think – with his intangibles, he just has the leadership capabilities and the, the determination and stuff. He just he has just some nagging injuries, but he has the fire in him. He has the, the Kobe-esque fire there to keep playing, to keep driving. He's gotten, I mean, he's been dealing with absolute double teams all year, still putting up numbers. He's in his third season. He's putting up like 25-5-5. Five and five. He's the third fastest of 4,000 points in the NBA history. 
Um, I mean, it's just crazy the things he's been able to do. His passing is better. His defense is now up to just below average, which is like better than Harden. <laughs> but it's just like what what more can you do? He needs some help so that he's not dealing with absolute double teams and can actually go cook on people. So for sure, and I think the I think the biggest thing I'm going to be looking for. Uh, from Devin Booker, as time goes on, he he gets that help around him that you're saying um, he needs, and I agree. He's really getting his field goal percentage up, and I know he's been the you know he's been the focal point of a lot of offenses, and uh, the Suns just don't have a lot of other weapons to get uh, to get the wolves off him, so to speak. Uh, but shooting 43% from the field overall, and I think he's going to have to improve that um a little bit when you look at some of the guys um at the top of the league right now and they're some on title contending yeah. teams they're right on there you know high 47 percent 49 percent 51 percent and i think that's going to be the manager of a guy like Devin booker um he's going to get the he he has the he has the game to do it um i think it's just a matter of like to your point he just doesn't have the help right now but once he gets the help that is going to be a stat that i really look at uh, can he can he challenge? Because listen, we know he could probably shoot forty percent from three. He's already shooting eighty eight percent from the line, Eric. Can he challenge himself to get, become a fifty forty ninety type of guy? He has the tools, and if he can ever flirt with fifty forty ninety, the Suns are going to be tough to beat once they get the help around him. Absolutely, and back to Jackson a little bit. I think I think whoever they draft is the second fiddle to Booker. If I mean, if it's Aiton, if it's if it's Donich, if it's Bagley, whoever it is. I think Jackson's that third person. His shooting stroke is already better than I thought it would be by this time. And it's getting smoother. And within two years, with he bulks up and, and finishes, smooth that out, the hitch, he's going to be pretty good. And he's already, I mean, he's already, his ability to drive and transition and stuff is already good. And he was, he was got, he was taken for his athleticism and defense. So, um, he has some stuff around there to be that third and third of a big three, he has the potential to be that. And I, and he's only, I think he's just turned 20 or 21. So I think, I mean, they're all, they're well, yeah. all that age. It's crazy. Well, yeah. And the reason I like him too is because he's not one of these young guys is 18, 19 coming to the league. He's 21. Uh, you know, right now it gives him a little bit more maturity, um, with himself, at least in terms of age. So he's going to develop a little bit more, right? Mm-hmm. You know, cause it's different. You know, these guys at 19, um, you know, years old coming into the league, he has a couple years on him to, you know, uh, to grow into his, uh, get his man strip going. Um, so yeah, I like him, Booker, 21 year old guys. This is young. I mean, that's it. And the NBA is littered, as you know, with, um, young teams don't win a lot of games in the NBA. Yeah. It's just how it is. This is a veteran league. Uh, when's the last time a rookie is really, you know, played? Strongly on under the biggest lights and the biggest stages of the playoffs doesn't happen doesn't um, too often. Yeah, I mean, I was watching. I think the first game of the season when they got blown out when it was still Earl Watson and it was whatever. The Portland Trailblazers were playing them, and they're all they don't have any young guys really on their team. They have six year veterans and up, pretty much. And it was like watching men against boys. You're just like, yeah, if they had two or three years to get in the weight room and and to get stronger and to get more smarter about the game like everybody does when they, in the league, they could compete with them. They're, they could be better than them. But at the moment, there's just not even close. Now, one thing I would yeah. say, though, is after this summer, all re- rebuilding is over. you got to go in for veterans you have, so you can develop your young players and give them a system to play with. Like I was just listening to, I was mentioning this beforehand, 
I was listening to Zach Lowe and Steve Clifford, the Bobcat, uh, the Hornets, Bobcats, Hornets coach, um, in uh, Charlotte. And they're talking about like how at the end, how you can, you can't develop more too many players. You gotta have, you can't win with just young guys. You, you also don't do them, you do, do them a disservice to their, their improvement by just letting them have free reign. They don't learn. It's this phrase that I think player, players understand better than us as media that they just don't know how to play the game correctly. Like people, for the last five years, people, people, fans have been saying to me, play all the young guys the whole game. I'm like, that will make them worse. Like in one sense, it makes them better. They play in the NBA, yes, but they're going to get habits. They're not going to know how to win and they might get scourged. It sounds like it's cliche almost, but it's partially, it's partly true. And now is the time to cut that off as soon as the free agency is over. Sorry, at the draft, you get your draft picks or pick. Hopefully you have one and you either move up or you get rid of them for veteran people because I've had enough of these draft picks. But that's what you got to do. Yeah, listen, the veteran guys around your young stars help. And that's it. I mean, I think I read it somewhere where Vince Carter was saying having a guy like Charles Oakley in the locker room when he was in Toronto Mm -hmm. was beneficial for him. You know what I'm saying? Listen, veteran guys teach these guys how to kind of be men, you know, off the court, what it's like to be a professional. Um, veteran guys also have a lot of more respect with the with the officials. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the young guy gets a bad call. You know, these veteran guys have been around officials a little bit. Hey, man, cut the young guys some slack. What did you see? I'll go talk to them. These are all the little things that a lot of fans don't really take into consideration when you bring in a veteran guy or having a guy. Um, around that's been around 10 to 12 years. They look at him and say, oh, he can only score four points a game, grab two rebounds at this point in his career. Yes, that could be the case. But, you know, these older guys, they know how to set the screens. They know how to do the little tricks, grab somebody's shorts, hold them up just a little. Those little things, man, um, you know, it's just no different than, you know, just in day-to-day life when you're around somebody that's a lot, has a lot more of experience around you, Eric, where, you find little shortcuts, you know, you find little things. But man, I've been, I've been expending twice the energy to do this. Mm-hmm. No, you don't got to do that. You know, that's what you learn by observation with somebody who's been doing it for a while. And to, to just to eliminate that point further, I mean, you watch that with Jared, Jared Dudley comes in the game. He just, like, he is not more athletic than any other player on the Suns. He gets way right. more done, way more efficiently, way more smart. He's just, you watch the angles and he just, he's, I mean, he's even commented on it and the fact that if you know the right angles to play with, you don't have to exert as much energy. So all the young guys are just walking around with like chickens with their heads cut off and just playing full, as they say, full speed and not waiting for the game to slow down all those cliches. It just, it's so important to get them there. So I'm really excited. Like I've been saying this, I'm really excited to see what the Suns roster looks like. Trade deadline of next year, about a year from now. They're really interesting. Oh, yeah. Anything else on uh, on the Suns before we move on to a couple other things? No, nah, man, I think, I think the Suns, you know, I'm really watching them this summer to really see um, exactly what they do. I think they got a stud in Devin Booker. Now it's time to bring, time to bring his Robin in, um, make the moves, get the Robin in there, like you say, try to bring in some guys that's been playing. Um, you gotta, you, you gotta swing for the fence. You know, you, you might have to overplace like a Kent Cap- uh, Capella. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, you might have to do that. You know, um, it's all about bringing some talent in the door. Um, but once you do, I think the Suns, you know, listen, the Suns are a historically good franchise, great fan base, had some winning seasons. Just a matter of time. I mean, it's a destination. Once people go out there, they like to be in. So, um, but I'm yeah, really watching exactly. them here to see what they can do. I mean, to remind people, uh, the Suns have the fifth highest winning percentage in the NBA history. Um, I think it's behind the Lakers, Celtics, Spurs, and Sixers. Yeah. Um, so they have, and then free agents come when there's talent around there. But they're not going to come play with just kids unless they're like Jared Dudley who wants to teach the kids. But get draft someone good and then get a couple regular free agents, and then the star free agents will want to come in a year or so. It's that, but until you do that, they're not coming. So it's and exactly. it's, a, it's it's important to to see that distinction there for sure. And um, let's go to some more people that are actually going to be playing basketball in a month or two. Um, what do you think about the difference between the Rockets and the Warriors? Well, right now, I just think you see with the with the Golden State Warriors, you see a team that's been bored all year. You see a team that's kind of playing a little bit outside of their source, and they're still having such a great year because of their talent. But they're limping down the stretch. You know, you know Steph Curry's been hurt, Kevin Durant's been hurt, Clay Thompson's battling injury. Um, you know, there's a lot of technical fouls being drawn around. I think these guys are just bored um, to a certain degree. But I look at the Houston Rockets and what they've done and what Darren Moore has been able to do with that franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, you get James Harden, you jump on him quickly. Oklahoma City um, were, you know, kind of hedging, didn't know if they wanted to pay him or not. You know, Darren Moore gets James Harden, pays him, and he says, hey, you're going to be our guy. Swing for the fences. No one saw Chris Paul going to Houston. Yeah. Say, hey, we could work. They hired Mike D'Antoni, who people thought, you know, wouldn't get another job in the league. And you look at this squad, and I wrote about this the other day. They could beat you in so many different ways, and to me, that's the measure of a great team. Mm-hmm. Can they blow you out? Can they come back from large deficits? Can they play defense to win? Look, they got, you know, uh, Luke Rashard Mabute. Mm-hmm. Uh, they play some D. Trevor Reeves is a good defender. Chris Paul's been a good defender throughout his career. Tucker. He did Tucker. So, he listen, they right got defense. Tucker can do. He's the first from Sun, so they got defense, one. Then they got physical toughness. Nene can bang with you. Tucker can bang with you. Gerald Green is not going to back down from anything. <laughs> Trevor Reeves. They got floor generalship. James Harden and Chris Paul. Two elite playmakers, two elite ball handlers. And in the past, when James Harden has been gassed in the playoffs, Eric, mm-hmm. it has been guys like he hasn't had another guy he could throw the ball to to create. Mm-hmm. This year, I don't see James Harden running out of gas because Chris Paul can handle the rock. And matter of fact, that's his wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. So James Harden can play off the ball and conserve some energy. They have rim protection in Clint Capella. They have athleticism. When you think about Golden State, their best lineup is the depth lineup. Well, guess what? You could put P.J. Tucker on Draymond Green, or you could have Clint Capella play Draymond. The Houston Rockets match up so well against Golden State. But the biggest thing is this, man. Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. <laughs> that is the, that's the great nuclear, oh, neutralizer gosh. right there, man. That's it. Because I'm not on like, paper, yeah. I, the Rockets I, have the talent, man. But this is an NBA 2K, Eric. Yes. You know, <laughs> when they start playing, it's going to be 40 minutes of Kevin Durant 
in 40 minutes is Steph Curry. And uh, Houston's going to have to buckle up if they're going to take the title from Golden State. Yeah, I don't even know how many times either of them have played 40 minutes this year. It's just not even very much. And they're they're just so good. I mean, if you take out the players, I think even though Harden's almost a lock for the MVP, I think if you're ranking players in a Warriors-Rockets game, it's Durant, and then it's Curry, and then it's Harden, and then it's Paul, and then it's Clay, and then it's Draymond, probably, in terms of that. Um, uh, to go back to one thing, I don't think Clint Capella should be on Draymond Green. I don't, that would not be go well for, for Clint Capella, but, um, uh, Peter Tucker, Ariza, probably, if they go super small, Anderson, if he, they need the shooting and can give up the defense, um, if they want to make Draymond shoot. Um, but yeah, so I think the good thing they're going, I just, until you see Harden or Chris Paul come out of the second round, third round, as the main star, it's going to be hard to see it not happen. Um, although, how about this, though? It's just completely mind-blowing. Harden is almost a lock for the MVP this year. How can you believe that OKC team had three MVPs and didn't win a championship? It's crazy. And, it's, you know, it's one of those things when they come in, they're young. Mm-hmm. You understand? It's, it's it's all about the youth, you know, um, and not truly understanding what you have. Mm-hmm. Um, number one. Number two. Was Scott Brooks the right coach? Mm, he's not a bad you know, coach, and, but maybe he wasn't and, the right one. I mean, that's it. I mean, it's not slamming Scott Brooks, but like you say, he is not a bad coach. You see, he's doing some good stuff with Washington, but was he the right coach? Mm-hmm. Was Billy Donovan the right coach to keep KD and Russ together? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Maybe they needed more of a personality holder mm-hmm. in that thing to, 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 to manage the egos. Yeah. Also, isn't Stephen Adams the coolest person in the world? <laughs> oh my goodness! Listen, I, I think I think Stephen Adams is just one of those guys. What is he? Did he say he was the youngest of seventeen kids? Or yeah, something I think like so, that? yeah, youngest of seventeen or something like that. So yeah, I mean, you can tell the way he works the rest and works the rest and works um, other people on the court. You can tell that he is definitely um, a product of a lot of different siblings. You can just tell how he maneuvers. Yes. He's a joy to watch, though. Also, you young kids, uh, go look at his rookie picture. It's hilarious, the difference between then and now. Oh, Stephen oh, Adams. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he oh, looked yeah. like he was just like this random guy off the street. And he's from, he's from New Zealand, but now he looks like a mountain man from yeah. New Zealand. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, what else? Let's see here. Let's take a look at – let's get – oh, woo, Raptors. What do you think about the Raptors' chances now with all these boss injuries in Cleveland? being horrible sometimes. Do you think that the Raptors have a chance to make the finals? No. I mean, and I think we just saw this uh, last night. I just LeBron James just seems to have some kind of mental edge over um, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. And um, it's amazing, uh, but he does. And, uh, you know, what, what, what he was able to do the other night, 35.17 assists, no turnovers. Um, it's crazy. No no turnovers. I mean, and what he's been able to do to Toronto the last couple of years in the playoffs, I mean, until I see something different, it's just going to be the same story. They just don't have an answer for LeBron, and LeBron's just going to overwhelm them. Mm-hmm. That's what I keep saying. Just like kind of – I've been t- I talk to people every now and then. I'm just like, LeBron has like one of the weakest – other than Kevin Love is good, but he's they're not able to use him the way he needs to be used like he was in Minnesota. But – he kind of has, LeBron is like one of the weakest, um, uh, in terms of experience, talent, 
um, rosters around him that he's had since maybe the time he got swept in the finals. But he's and he's way older, so he can't necessarily carry it as much as he can, even though obviously he's still pretty amazing for I think it's 15 years in the league. Um, but the problem is that if he goes against Toronto, I I don't think I think he still still win. I'm like you said, I'm not until he doesn't make the finals. I'm assuming he can make the finals. People say, oh no, he's this, he's bad, he can't shoot, whatever. And I know he turns on his three point shooting and turns it off. It seems like it will just goes on and off like a random like a baby flipping a light switch over and over and over again. Um, but he, I mean, I think it was those game six in Boston like many years ago where he needed to do it and he had like a 45-10-10 game or something like that in game six in Boston and he's to, to, to make a game seven to move him to the finals. Like that shows there's some things that you just, until you beat him in the playoffs in the East, it's just you can't bet against him. Listen, a lot of people talk about um, MJ never losing the finals. <laughs> Listen, um, LeBron, I mean, has never lost in the first round. I mean, and he's just one of those guys to do it as long as he's been doing it and still be one of the top three players in the league. Um, and I don't care what your criteria is, right? I mean, to me, he's still the best player in the league, but if someone wants to say Kevin Durant, cool. But yeah. you better have LeBron in your top three. And if you don't, I think you're just hating. Um, the, the, the guy is phenomenal. The, the problem with LeBron as the league has kind of shifted, the league has shifted to more of a, you know, pace and space. Mm-hmm. So you have more of these teams with like a Clay or a Steph or a Kevin Durant, like three guys that can get you 30. And the problem with LeBron's team this year, especially without Kyrie Irving, is LeBron's the only guy on this team right now that can get you 30. You know he's going to get you 30 in the playoffs. You hope Kevin Love can get you 19. You hope he can get you 19. One he day can he gets you 24. He can get you 25 in the game. They feed him. He, but you hope he can get you at least 19. Yes. And that's just not a hope that Golden State has. Like Golden State knows they're getting 20 from Clay. They know they're getting 25 from Durant. They know they're getting 25 from Steph Curry. In Cleveland, they're hoping they can get 22 from Kevin Love. And it's not saying that Kevin Love can't get you 20. You just, would you put your hard-earned check that Kevin Love is going to offensively be on in a seven-game series every game? And that's the difference right now to me between Cleveland and some of the teams in the West. We're hoping that J.R. Smith is on. I mean, no one has to hope that Cal Corver is on, but... Then there's the defensive thing. Although he's done, he's improved his defensive scheming and stuff, and as he got smarter and stuff. But man, it just like they just don't have. I'm about to say like they don't have what it takes. They definitely have don't have what it takes to beat the Warriors or the Rockets even. But they definitely have what it takes to be in the West, in the East, to to, to get to the finals. So oh no doubt about it. Um, what do you think about this uh this uh Kawhi Leonard stuff? You know, it's, it's disheartening to see. I mean, you know, you look at the, the San Antonio Spurs, and one of the main things about them is they've been able to um, have this long run of dominance without much drama. Mm-hmm. And now you see drama starting to uh, surround the franchise. It's weird. You know, without Tim Duncan there, it's like there's drama here? What? It's absolutely weird, right? So it's. You know, are, are the Spurs trying to trade Kawhi? Um, it, does Kawhi have a rift 
player-only meeting now. He's going to be able to play. He's going to be able to play. Just so much drama around the San Antonio Spurs, and that's something that I am totally not used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he's a quiet guy. He always has been. Um, so this is no different. He's going to take the quiet approach to it. Um, but somewhere down the line, someone's going to have to speak up, and this would be a good time if he was a vocal guy to come out to the media and say, "Hey, listen, I'm happy to be in San Antonio. Kill all the noise." Mm-hmm. I'm gonna return when my body is healthy. Yeah, it just weird that I think the Spurs doctors have cleared him, but his other doctors haven't cleared him. I'm just really worried that I just don't want to be career-ending injury and attend an tendonopathy because I mean we were talking about best players in the NBA. It's LeBron and Durant, and if healthy, Kawhi Leonard. Because while Harden, Westbrook, and whoever are good two-way players is what we what we say best player kind of don't want to discount defense so much. Um, which is why also Paul George is higher up there because he just can play defense better than most of these offensively minded people. But man, it just like, Kawhi Leonard's so good. I just don't want him to be out of the league, even though as a Suns fan, the Spurs are the most odious team out there. Uh, I mean, I think, I think, you know, just looking at the injuries, it's tough to say mentally. You know, I mean, we remember we had the same thing going on with Derrick Rose. Mm-hmm. Where the doctors playing, were so. saying, hey, you know, you know, the doc, you know, he, oh, he's healthy enough to come back, but Derrick Rose didn't feel like he could come back. You know, and then he starts playing, you know, Derrick Rose doesn't look like Derrick Rose anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful. And, and to me, um, I'm gonna say from the beginning, I don't know if the Spurs will take a chance. Remember, the Spurs sacked Tim Duncan for a playoff series once when he probably could have played. Mm-hmm. Um, the Spurs sacked. David Robinson that season before they got Tim Duncan, when he probably could have returned at, at some point. They were taking you look at it. <laughs> yeah. When you look at it, though, the Spurs have always taken kind of a very conservative approach. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's to say they won't, they're not taking a conservative approach here. Maybe we're just all getting it wrong here in the media. Absolutely. Well, Lang, you and I could talk forever. I could just keep looking at the rosters of the teams and just keep talking about everybody, but. I want to make sure everybody can just wrap it up here. Um, let, why don't you plug your stuff, and then we'll uh, get out of here. No doubt about it, man. Lane Green, Basketball Insider, has been rocking uh, now with the Basketball Insider's crew for, whew, man, I feel like old man in the game, yeah. <laughs> almost 10 years or so. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you catch me on Twitter, at Lane Green. Man, I always pride myself to be one of the most accessible writers on the net. Lane Green, L-A-N-G-G-R-E-N to the E, man. It's always a pleasure to rap with you, Eric, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Okay, so follow the uh, podcast. This is the Solar Insights Podcast. It's now on Spotify. I'm so excited about that. It's on Spotify. Um, Pippa is what we now do use to upload and uh, also on iTunes, etc. Um, also, if you're in Phoenix and you're wanting to get trained in basketball, I have clients and I have this business called Elite Hoops Development. So go to EliteHoopsDevelopment.com and get your get trained. I, I'm ready for you to help you get to the next level. Take your game there. Um, if you have any questions, look at you, me. Eric. Look yeah. at you, Eric. Look at you, Eric. Man, you out here starring, man. Okay. Got to do it. Got to do it. Uh, yes, lady. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for listening, everybody. Go check us out. Go subscribe, listen, rate, review, everything you can do. It would help us a lot. Thanks so much. Have a great day, everybody. Bye.